No kidding. Okay. So we're going to continue with this long bracha at the end of brachas. Um, so last time, did something a little bit less typical, which is we spent a lot of time with one source uh, inside, which I hope you enjoyed. And so just to summarize where we ended up with that was um, that this bracha has an opening and a closing. The opening is Baruch Thank you, Hashem, for removing sleep from my eyes and slumber from my eyelids, or possibly slumber from my eyes and sleep from my eyelids, or whatever. Um, and then continues, It should, it will, may it be your will before you, Hashem, and ends with Baruch Hashem, Hagomel Chasodim Tovim Lamo Yisrael who gives, does good kindness to his nation, Israel. And Rav Schwab said, yes, the simple meaning is thanking Hashem for waking us up physically. We were sleeping, we are waking up. But it's place at the end of brachos, after we're awake already. So we have a sense of awareness of our awakeness, so to speak. And it's place as one of the group at the end that is specifically Yisrael-based. So hagomel chasadim tovim la'amu Yisrael. And that's grouped together here with Ozer Yisrael Begvura, which is a Yisrael one, Oter Yisrael Besifara, and even Hanosin Le'ayv Koach, which we learned was added later, doesn't say Yisrael in it, probably partly for political reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But, but in fact is referring specifically to, um, to the gratitude for the strength that we have because we know that there's a God and there's a next world. So there is a sort of the Jew, that Jewish role, that Bechorah role that Yaakov ended up having to take over from Esau. So these are all this Yisrael group, and it's at the end, tells us that it's really also about spiritual slumber. And not only that, but the bracha itself tells us that. Because yes, it starts just by talking about sleep and eyes, but it goes on to say, let me become accustomed to your Torah and cling to mitzvahs and not follow my Yitzhar and follow my Yitzhar. So that doesn't connect so much with physical sleeping, but it certainly does connect with spiritual sleeping, right? If your eyes are open to the fact that there's a spiritual world, and then even though maybe, you know, in Tehillim, David said, Shivisi Hashem Negdi Summit, I'll hold God before me, I'll place God before me always. I'll always have a sense that Hashem is directly in front of me. So it changes your behavior, right? But what if you're not holding there yet? What if it's not true that every second you're remembering that Hashem is there? You'd like to be there, but you're not there, right? So, that the fact that I once had a sense of awareness of that. Good morning. The fact that I once had that awareness, we were just reviewing where we ended last time, um, means that it could change my behavior to the future, right? So I could be grateful for the fact that I have had awareness of God in my life and say, based on that Hashem, please help me do what's right. Because maybe I don't have it in front of me all the time. I once read years and years and years and years and years ago an article by, oh goodness, her name is now escaping me, Robertson Yehudis, what is her last name? Grunbaum. Um, Grunbaum. Grunbaum? Is that her last name? Grunfield. She was, I can't believe her name, like I'm loose on her name. Um, she was the assistant to Sarah Schneer in the like original, original base Yaakov, but she came from Frankfurt. 
She was highly educated. She had like a doctorate or something in education. You know, she was this educated, cultured woman. And they asked her to come to Poland to help them get this Beis Yaakov on a solid kind of, you know, educational grounding because mm-hmm. Sarah Schneer was kind of making it up as she went along. So, yes, what she was teaching was important and educational, but they wanted it to be more fleshed out in the curriculum and everything. And she said, it's as if now, like, you're in America, and someone said, would you please come to rural Poland to help? Like, it really was no different. She was from a first-world country, and Poland just wasn't, you know. And she talks about this, like, going there anyway. This article that she wrote was about bitachon. And she said, people think that having bitachon means that at every moment they have that sense of inspiration and that God is right there holding them all the time. And she said it isn't always so. Bitachon is when you behave in accordance with your emona. So you have those moments of inspiration when it's like the light turned on. But there's times when the light is turned off. When you can keep letting your life be, like behaving in your life in accordance with the moments when the light was on. That's really bitachon. It's trusting in that which you know. But it doesn't mean that it's trusting in that which you are looking at at the moment, which is a very encouraging statement. It's so nice because... I wish I had the, I have the original article think, somewhere, but I don't have it. When you think of something, when you have something that bothers you so much and your stomach is just in knots all day long, and even if you're not really thinking of it, your stomach's still in knots. Yeah. So you should feel the other way around, really. Yeah, so you can get there. I, I, you can get there. But it requires repeating a lot. So I just heard somebody, um, I can't vouch for this. I just heard somebody speak who quoted a safer, which I have never seen. Can't vouch for that either. I mean, not that it's up to me to go vouching for other people's farm. But I'm saying, I, like, I, I haven't heard about it from my teachers. I haven't, you know, I just happened to hear this. It was a safer called Bilbavi Mishkan Evna, and it was suggesting that every half hour you say there is a creator of the world, there is a creator. Just say it. Stop whatever you're doing. There's a creator. And they were saying that over time, this starts to, it's like, you know, the stone with Rabbi Akiva, you know, the water dripping on the stone, that this has this effect of training your mind to think that way. I mean, in in my own life, so it's definitely been very often started with difficulties. So then I am thinking about God a lot more (laughs) in the middle of a difficulty. But but Rabbi Orlov has, like, inspired, like, certain phrases that I've heard. You know, I've shared them. I don't know where you're taking me, God, but I know it's somewhere good. You know, you say that a hundred times a day for a hundred days, and all of a sudden it pops into your mind more easily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying, you know, like it's always every second, but like there is a sort of habituation of thought that does go there. And you start to, and, and it's more than just habituation of thought, it's that you notice things. You notice things in a way you didn't notice them because that's what's on your mind. So you notice things differently, which is why Yisurim can be Yisurim Shalava. There can be such a thing as a person who has, who has suffering or difficulty, and it's from love. Most Yisurim is probably from Ava in many ways, but Yisurim could be from love. I, I saw something in the Shla. This is really a tangent to what we're talking about. I saw something in the Shla a couple weeks ago about Yisurim of Ava, right? Suffering that's from love. Not suffering that's a punishment. Sorry. He was... Um, one of the cases was uh, the Gemara says that there are three things that are acquired with Yisurim. Eretz Yisrael, Torah, and Olam Haba. These are things that you acquire them with Yisurim. 
And, and without getting into, like, there's, like, a whole other discussion as to why those three and what they have in common, but those three things are things which cannot tolerate imperfection, so to speak. Like, they can't be tainted. If Torah is tainted, that's a lot worse than probably no Torah at all. As, as scary as that is to say. Torah that's been tainted, but, okay. So what the Shla says is, those three things, because they can't be tainted, they ha- they're eternal things, and therefore there's a perfection there. In order to have something called like a kinyan, kinyan acquiring means there's a merging of identity. When you own something, like it's yours. It somehow takes on your identity. So not everything can be acquired in that sense, but something that has a real kinyan means that we are merging our identities together. To merge your identity with something that's perfect and, and can't, there's no room in it for imperfection. How could that possibly happen? So those things are acquired with Yisurim. Eretz Yisrael nikneis b'yisurim. Olam haba nikneis b'yisurim. Torah nikneis b'yisurim. Why? Because what happens is the Yisurim is mechaper at the same time as you're acquiring so because of the effort and because of the struggle and because of the tears and because of the, right, anyone who's made Aliyah could tell you they could have gone to Israel for three months of the year, you know, for 30 years, but if they really make Aliyah and they're really there for good, there's difficulties. There's bureaucracies and there's pipes that burst and there's, there's all, you know, I mean, I think Kali Yisrael is seeing now there's, there's a certain Yisurim involved with acquiring Eretz Yisrael. It is not a simple thing. I don't mean acquiring it politically, but, but, but belonging to it and it belonging to you, right? That intermingling sense that we belong together with Eretz Yisrael, with Torah, and with Olam Haba, there's Yisurim, and that's Yisurim of love. Hashem is saying, you know what I'm giving you? I'm giving you something beyond you. You're striving for something that's perfect, and I'll give it to you. You can have it. This is the only way you could have it. The only way you could have it is being, if you're being washed while you're getting it. And this, that makes a kind of perfection in it. I think also probably the Masira Snefesh that has to go through sticking with it, even though there's Yisurim. You have to really love it. You know, you have to want it. It can't be somebody imposing it on you. When you really want Torah, when you really, you know, when it hurts, that you're worried that your kid, you know, is falling by the wayside, and, you know, those things, this is an acquiring. These are, you know, but that's a, it, it acquire, you acquire it in a way that you would never let go of it. You'd never trade it for a million dollars or a billion dollars or a Powerball ticket for a billion dollars, right? You wouldn't trade it for anything because it's something that you put your blood, your sweat, and your tears into, mm-hmm. and you really did. But, but that explanation of how there's a kapara, I'm sitting still. Oh. <laughs> That's how it happens. So it happens the second time this morning. Uh, I don't know. Thank you. Uh, the sensor? <laughs> um, it might be that. I'm not sure. Anyway, I, it was early. Oh, maybe that's the sensor over there. Anyway, I, I don't know. Okay, that was, that was an aside. So, thanking Hashem for also being spiritually awake. And what Rav Schwab said is that since the time of Adam HaRishon, we've essentially, humanity has been in this sort of a slumber that we haven't fully been able to wake up out of. But Hashem, in revealing himself to us with the giving of the Torah at Har Sinai, made a situation where it's as if we got to see. We were like that blind person who has an operation that lets him see for one day. So maybe we're blind afterward, but it's a different kind of blindness because we understand the lay of the land. We know underneath what the world is like. It's kind of similar to what 
what I was telling you about the bitachon, right? The, the sort of like you continue living based on the map that you have in your mind from the clarity that you had. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes you different. You're in a different place, and that's a leadership quality. Okay. Which is why yira, seeing, is also yira, right? Lirot is to see, but yira is also awe. Yeah? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's having the clarity of vision that you saw something and, and it's real. That has a lasting impact. And the impact is called yira. All right. Okay. So, hamapil. So this was on here. So have it. It's on the back. I mean, this is the bracha before going to sleep at night. Okay? It's one of these, like, less known things. There is a bracha before going to sleep at night. It's on the back there. All right. Thank you, Hashem. Hamapil chevle sheno al yusnuma al Who, hamapil who, like, makes fall the bonds of sleep upon my eyes and slumber on my eyelids. So you can hear that this language matches. It corresponds to, um, it corresponds to this bracha in the morning, and these two are really a set. You can really think of them as one bracha. The <laughs> question is, what do you think of as the opening bracha, and what's the closing bracha? Is the opening bracha in the morning, and you close it with your bracha at night? <laughs> or is the opening bracha at night, and you close it in the morning? You can kind of go almost either way with it. Because you can go either way with it. Um, and in fact, the Nefesh HaChaim says, like, you can see in these two brachos that they really match up. In the, the details of, like, what you're davening for in one, it, they're really, like, they're really the opposites. So I'm not going to talk about Hamapil and, like, the meaning of Hamapil per se, but the duality of these two brachos that so clearly line up with each other tells us something. What it tells us is, in the morning, I'm grateful to have the slumber off of my eyes so that I can act. I'm saying I want to be able to do mitzvahs. I want to be able to learn Torah. I want to be able to to try and cleave to Hashem and not be pushed the other way. I'm ready to face the day and make an effort. Essentially, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more, essentially in this bracha in the morning, what we're doing is making a choice for the day. Obviously, as the day goes on, we're going to be faced with Bechira after Bechira after Bechira. We're going to have a lot of choices. But in this bracha in the morning, I'm saying, Hashem, I am choosing to do good. So help me. I think if you, if you sum it up in that, you won't go wrong. My day is starting. What path am I taking? I'm choosing good. All right. At night, I'm saying, thank you for making me fall asleep, which is, I'm good with handing it all over to you. I'm good with handling, you know, please let me go to sleep, let me wake up, help my thoughts be okay while I'm sleeping, right? I'm grateful to have sleep and and to have you in charge. And in the morning, it's not that we're not saying he's in charge, because we clearly are, but we're saying, but I'm making, I'm ready to, to act. And both... It's funny because I think sometimes we have that tension, right? Well, is this like hishtablas or bitachon? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Trying to do an effort? Or am I supposed to be just handing it over to God and saying, you're taking care of everything, right? You hear people, like, agonize over this. Yeah, because what you're saying in the morning is, like, you're going to partner with God? Like, what are you saying? Because you're saying... We're going to do it in detail. I'm going to do it phrase by phrase. Okay. But there is the beginning of it, which is a choosing. By By saying this is what I want... 
Right? I'm saying that Hashem, may it be your will, but what am I expressing? Is it kind of I'm a little bit expressing my own will, right? right? So if this is my will, and my will is God's will, so then it's, then it's honest to say Yehi Ratzon Mofanecha. But this is true as every Yehi Ratzon. It feels a little bit like in the morning we're full of hope and we're starting off the day positive, and then at night it's like, did my best, no, it wasn't perfect, take it, yeah. let's start again tomorrow. You could definitely say that. Yeah. Although, yeah, you could definitely say that, for sure. That the going to sleep is, like, is a preparation for the morning. Because it's always it's better a in the morning. renewal for the next yeah. day, it is. Rav Hirsch talks about that with night and day, that the reason the night comes before the day Right. Is it's not that the night comes after the day. It's not that you just will like collapse because now your day's over. It's it's a kind of renewal for the next day. Right. Which is encouraging. Yeah. I have a nice piece from him in here, also about this imperfection thing that goes into here. So yeah. Okay. So okay, this is based on a puzzle into Helen, but I want to get to this other puzzle into Helen. All right. So this piece, and thank you to Mrs. Black for printing it out, because I printed it out and then left it at home. But I had it on my phone, so I sent it to her again. So this, I just want to go here. I want to break down piece by piece, but in particular, this bit that links together, we have three different brachos we've come up with. It's, it's, it's in Shimon Esri also, Gomel Chasadim Tilvim. But that's a slightly different structure. But we have three brachas that are really, really, really similar. Okay? One is, That's this bracha in the morning. Hashem who grants good chesed to his nation Israel. There's another bracha which we say at night. Right? Who illuminates the whole world with his glory. But it, it starts with the same opening. Right, Hamavir. I mean, um, yeah, Hamavir Shainamai. And then there's the bracha of Hagoma, which I neglected to put on this source sheet, but I wrote the bracha on the board. So, if a person has crossed the desert, crossed the sea, come out of jail, or recovered from a serious illness, we say Gomel. Right? You may have done that if, after you had kids. A lot of women are accustomed to say Birkasa Gomel before minion. You have to make this bracha where there's a minion to hear you. Okay. So what's that bracha? Baruch atah Hashem al-kenu ma'ocholam. Hagomel l'chayovim tovos, who grants l'chayovim to those who are chayov, those who owe. Okay? We would normally say, like, that's like someone who has done something wrong, right? Is he chayov or is he pater? Did he do something wrong and now he owes? Right? Yeah, he's got it coming to him. Hashem who grants to those who are chayov tovos, goodness, good things. Shegamalani Koltov, who has granted to me all that is good. What did I say? What? <laughs> That's like everyone's phone game. No, what did I do? No, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> all I wanted to do was put the date on my thing, and I didn't want to oh, ask no anyone problem. the dates. So What's the date? When she looked, I, I was like, it's the oh 19th. my gosh, maybe I have to turn off my mind. No, I don't. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that was so it's rude. January, I, all I really no, it was fine, but it was both at once. I was like, what in the world? Oh my gosh, I don't know if I turned off my phone. Like emergencies, you know, and like no, everyone, like the first thing they do is pull out the I am very, um, like I... No, it's I'm good to have the waking dates. up. No, but I'm like about to turn the page, and then I'm like... She's still waking up. We're all waking up. Huh? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, so this idea, and, and really this goes, of course, to the end of the Hiratzen, where we'll talk more about, how, about what does this mean, Hagomel chasadim tovim l'amo Yisrael. But I, ju- I do want to touch on it already at the beginning, because it influences our understanding of everything afterward. What is this, what is the, what is gemilus chasadim? Okay, and why is it chesed tov, chasadim tovim, or over here, hagomel tovos, right? What makes a chesed be good? Because wouldn't it be enough to say gomel chasadim? Right. Why gomel chasadim tovim? Right. Did you hear of non-good kind of chesed? Like, what's with that? Okay. So I'm not going to go into very great depth on it now, because I'll save it for the end of the bracha a little bit, but, but at least to get us into here. All right. So this is from Rav Zevlef's book on Shemona Esrei. I'm just going to excerpt like three or four sentences on this Gomel Chasadim Tovim. In order to recognize God, who is the ultimate good and source of all goodness, one must be able to first discern manifestations of his goodness in the world and in one's personal life. What does that mean? Just like to repeat that because it's kind of a long sentence. In order to recognize God, like you were saying, to have that constant awareness, right? To have an awareness of God, you have to see him in the world. That kind of makes sense, right? If you're going to see him, you got to see him. How do you see God in the world? By seeing his actions in the world. Which is kind of almost obvious once you hear it. Okay, but how do you see Hashem's actions in the world? By noticing them. Because they're there and we can see them. You can see how this would tie in with being awake versus not being awake, or being awake but kind of asleep while we're awake. People can walk around the world and live an entire life and never see what's around them. Never even notice the things that have happened for them. Right? So when we look, when we say Baruch Hashem, that's why it's so funny. Like sometimes it sounds like so fulfilled, right? Somebody's saying all the time, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. But the truth is, that's there. Some of the fortune I'm talking about, like that's a sign of a person with your shemayim. Oh, I look at it that way. Right, because you're really consciously saying. Right, and you can say, and it's the other way around. By consciously saying it, mm-hmm. you become more of a your mm-hmm. Right, when you like even something petty, when you when you need to sneeze, I'm looking at a tissue box, and you get a tissue in time. Mm-hmm. Right, thank you. Because we've all had that moment where we didn't. Right, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, when the light is green, thank you. When you tripped and didn't fall, mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. Right? When you see that, when you notice what is there. <laughs> One of my kids, we were once in a rented house, and I gave my kid the vacuum cleaner, and he's vacuuming. He knew how to vacuum. He wasn't very old though. He was like six, and he's vacuuming. And I come in the room, and I see that there are these enormous black lines. Oh huge black line. I'm like, stop! I don't know what you're doing, but they're like zigzagging back and forth like this. They were clearly something to do with the vacuum. I was like, stop, stop, stop. He was like, what? It's just like, stop vacuuming. I unplug the vacuum. I reach under the front. He has vacuumed up a black crayon, but it melted because of the heat of the vacuum to the lip of the vacuum. So he's going back and forth and heat sealing the crayon oh into gosh. this carpet of a rented house. It's not our house. And they were trying to sell it. I'm like, didn't you see what was happening? He says, I saw, but I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. We got it out, but it was very traumatic. 
and while we're getting it out, and how stunk because you need WD-40 to get it out, and it's four degrees because we're in Wisconsin, and so we got all the windows open because this whatever. Then, oh. like the owner says, oh, I need to come by and check the pump. And we're like, great. <laughs> Can you come, come on tomorrow? over? <laughs> like t-shirts wrapped around our faces because we're breathing it in. Anyway, it does come out. There's a trick to it. Um, elbow grease. But anyway, I saw, but I didn't notice. Right? But like we can go through our lives seeing and not noticing. And that's kind of like this slumber, right? Or we can wake up and see there's chasadim tovim. Hashem is doing chesed. So step one to recognizing God in our lives is recognizing God in our lives. Okay? But that's not, that's not a recursive thought. That's actually just paying attention and saying, really saying it out loud. Nobody has to hear you. Say it out loud where you can hear you. That's what matters. It, it, it's better if other people aren't hearing you. Lamaisa, like in the long run, yes, they could hear you. But really, it's for you to hear you. For you to hear you noticing. Because when you hear it, then you, you notice by the end of the day. There were a lot of things God did for me. Okay, he did more that we didn't notice. Fine. Did you ever... Um... Okay, I had a cold, right, like a week ago. I was so sick on Shabbos. I was just in bed. It was a cold. Thank God it was nothing worse. And that moment when I woke up on Sunday morning and that kind of coming back up into the world and going, oh, my gosh, I feel fine. That, you know how good it feels to feel well? Or stomach flu. Or stomach oh. flu. Anything you're sick with, right? That moment where you first wake up and realize I feel well and it feels so good. And you say, I'm never going to complain again. <laughs> you, I, I don't know. I try and savor it because I know that most mornings when I wake up, I don't. And I, you know, I try to think about that mode ani lefanecha. Like, it re- I'm so grateful. Bechem lo rabba, you gave me back my life in such a sweet, nice way. You know, it feels so good to wake up and feels so good to feel mm-hmm. good. But, but it's really the morning after you're sick that you really feel how sweet health is. Otherwise, it's like in the background, we just get used to it. And like, as long as it's fine, we don't notice, right? We see, but we don't notice. All right. When a person's outlook, I'm skipping like, pages, all right? When a person's outlook includes an understanding of goodness as what is eternally good, his ability to see good even in difficult and seemingly negative situations is intensified. So this is based on the Ramban in Bereshis. God saw the light and it was good. So Ramban is basically saying, what do you mean God saw the light that it was good? He knew how it was going to come out before he made it. It's not like when I make something, I don't know exactly how it's going to come out, right? Give a share. I don't know exactly. Like, I could plan a share, prepare a share. I still don't know exactly what's going to come out. God knows what's going to come out. So tov, that means that the, well, how the Torah uses the word tov is not the way we think of the word tov. Tov means that which is eternally good. Uh-huh. It's not the words the, the Ramban uses. It's, I don't have the Ramban here because this commission only has uh, Rashi and Uncles, but... Um, his his words are something like, it has um, it, it 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 matches God's ratzon for its kiyum, something like that, meaning it's God's will. It's yehi ratzon. It's God's will, and it's God's will that that is something that will have a kiyum that will have eternal, it's, eternal it's, existence. It's kind of making it immortal a little bit. Yeah, something that has that is God's will that it should continue to exist like that forever eternally that's why with the light the light continues forever physical world is not permanent but the light which is also the torah right that light is forever right god even stashes it away during this world he'll pull it out in the next world all right that's forever 
Okay, so Rabbi Leff, when a person's outlook includes an understanding of goodness as what is eternally good. When your definition of what is tov is not what feels gratifying at the moment, like feeling well in the morning, but recognizing that what is, e what is good is that which has eternal goodness. So maybe the struggle that it took me to say two brachos when I was sick might have more eternal goodness than that nice feeling of waking up in the morning well. That, that's conceivable, right? That's really conceivable, that I became more different, that I became closer to God, that there'll be an eternal pleasure I'll have with God in savoring that effort that I put into it when it was hard, right? If that's good, then his ability to see good even in difficult and seemingly negative situations is intensified. So I'm using like sort of petty examples, like I had a cold, that's not really so serious, right? There's more yeah, serious yeah. stuff in the world. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like I should use not such serious examples. A, because we don't want to have to go to the serious examples in our real lives. We have them anyway. But when we like to learn from the smaller stuff, <laughs> the smaller problems, the lessons that otherwise we might have to learn from the big well, stuff. Unfortunately or unfortunately. And also it just like gets to be a little too intense. Right. right. And everyone has their own yeah. different issues and whatever. So let's learn from the small ones. But I think we could extrapolate this out. Not so difficult to like the other times, you know, that are that are maybe even harder. All right. In this way, we recognize Hashem through the chasodim. Because in the difficult times, we start to be able to see that they could be the real good times, too. Then we start to be able to see Hashem through his chasodim, many and varied kindnesses, even small ones, and recognize that they are chasodim tovim, goodnesses bestowed because they have eternal value and their effect on our eternal existence. If I have Yisurin, and I have a sense that that could be a real kapara for me. I'll give you an example. Sometimes we say something we wish we hadn't said. Oh, yeah. If we're alert enough, we wish we hadn't said it. Sometimes we just let it go, and we don't even know to realize we wish we hadn't said it. Okay, we say something stupid, we say something mean, insulting, we raise our voice, we, whatever it is, whatever our thing is, right? But we all say things we shouldn't have said. We say something to somebody else, and then it gets back to them, they overheard, they walked in, they, okay, let alone that it was Lush and Har in the first place. There are situations where your words can come back to bite, and they can bite very, very hard. They usually amplify, right? So maybe it's that the person walked in and heard. Maybe it's that your words become discoverable in court. Okay, so we shouldn't know from these things. I, I even 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 in my business, which is intellectual property, so patents, right? So a lot of what you say can come back to bite you. So you know the examiner argues one thing and you argue back, oh no, but it isn't like that. In 10 years on some other patent case, it could come back to you. They're gonna go look at the other file and say, but you said over there that it wasn't like that. You can't claim that it is that way now. Okay, that's lightweight stuff. That's just money, right? In a divorce case, if they subpoena all your text messages or your emails, your words can come back to bite. Or somebody testifies that you said such and such, that's really painful. It's really hard. 
to have to have your words remembered and used against you. And yet they're your own words. It's really hard. If we can have a cup heart, you know, we're going to have to face our words anyway someday. That's the thing. It's just hard to realize that. We don't want to think about it. Mm. But kapara is a really valuable thing. They say that the Vilna Gon once spoke. I, I don't know. He wasn't known for speaking in shul. But it is said that he spoke in the shul. He was not the Rav. Okay? The Gra was not the Rav. There was a Rav in Vilna. It wasn't the Gra. But he spoke in a shul once. And he spoke about Yasurim. And somebody came. And Gehenim. I don't know what. Somebody came to him after and said, you just totally freaked me out. I, I feel like I can't function. You scared me so much from the Yisurim. And the Vilna Gon said, I didn't even like tell you half of it. <laughs> like, it's much worse. The punishment for our sins is much worse than anything I spoke about. So the only thing is, if we realized how much Yisurim save us in the next world, we'd beg for them. Wow. We're, not, we're not meant to beg for Yisurim. But, but just to realize if we understood what they do for us. Now, Yusurim can be small and Yusurim can be big. Yusurim can be anything where it could have, no reason it shouldn't just run smoothly and it doesn't. Right? So the Talmud's example, you put your hand in your pocket for a quarter, you take out a dime, then you got to put your hand back in and take out another one. I mean, women don't know about pockets, but, you know, you get the concept, right? You go in your pocketbook, your phone's ringing, and you finally have to turn the whole thing upside down and shake because you can't find the phone, whatever it is, right? It's not every single traffic light is red. That could also be a sir. Depends also if you notice it, right? And you notice and you're saying, you know, Hashem, I know it doesn't have to be this way. It must be this way because you love me. That frus- the frustrations, that, okay. But you serve is also big stuff. Chavivin Yusurim like also applies to someone who, who's... You know, the, the Gemara, like, he's sick and his legs are rotting away and, right, the house is leaking and whatever. And they was like, look, we got to take you somewhere else because your house is about to fall on top of you. He says, well, take me out last. Get all the furniture out first because I'm the only thing holding this house up, which was true. Like, that's, like, there's people who really suffer. There is real suffering, and we all really suffer at some point. Like, that's, if we knew what it did for us, we would rejoice in it. But is it still which is encouraging. Serum if we're rejoicing in it? Yeah. It Because there's pain. The pain. The pain itself is mechaper. I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the shlot doesn't mention childbirth, maybe because he's not a mom, right? But think about what it takes to have a baby, even a healthy baby. Forget about the ones like where you have the difficulties, extra difficulties. A healthy, normal pregnancy, labor, and delivery, right? You're getting a big gift, and you, you, you get some kapara on the way to get it, The process of receiving it is also has its kapara built in, mm-hmm. right? But that's, that's a very encouraging thing because we don't know how to fix everything ourselves very well. To do tshuva on everything we've done wrong, it's really hard. Okay, so like uh, chasodim. Chasodim tovim is when we can see or recognize that Hashem does chesed and it, the chasodim are tovim. Tovim means they have eternal value. <coughs> they impact our eternal existence. You know, you tell your kid, it's worth it to get the shot because it's so much less than having the sickness. Even if the sickness cures up normally, right? Whooping cough at its best is really a lot worse than, like, a pertussis shot. Okay? It's true in this world, too. 
the suffering in this world is our is <laughs> it's our vaccination, right? Like, it's worth it. It's a lot less trouble than having to deal with it in the next world. And sometimes that is a necessary comfort to take, to remind ourselves, to remind ourselves, you know, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It's the opposite. It's a validation. It hurts. But I could still recognize that that's chasadim tovim too. And by the way, chasadim tovim doesn't have to only be the stuff that hurts. Chasadim tovim can be the goodnesses that are, right? If something happens, right, we, uh, the lights are all green, right? So I can just sail through them. And I can even have that feeling that sort of like picks you up, like, <laughs> ah, I'm having a good day, right? Did that do anything for me? If I go through the lights and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is not normal to have every light be green like this, right? Oh, right, it's Martin Luther King Day. Oh my gosh, and I thought I was late and now I'm running on time. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for making all the lights green. That's, this is incredible. It's such a, it's a feeling of like someone giving you like a little present unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not your birthday. It's not, they're not your house guest. And they just, somebody just like sent you a present. Mm-hmm. That's also chasad and tovim. Because I felt it. I noticed it. I'm different now. That tovim, that, that influence that it made on me, and the fact that I spoke it out and I said thank you, that's going to have an impact on my life eternally. Even if I don't stay aware of it at every moment, the fact that I arouse that awareness in the moment, it's, it's all part of this waking up out of the slumber, even briefly, right? Ligmol, gemilos chasadim. So if you, to, to wean, I don't know how fast I can put my finger on the pasuk, okay? Um, <coughs> when, so if we wouldn't notice the chesed, like that the lights are green, that would just be chesedim? It might then, just be chesedim. Tovim is tovim when, is when is we the notice eternal it and it makes a difference yeah. to us. Right. Now, something could be tov, I imagine, even with my not realizing it. Because right, tov means it has the eternal existence. You. Right. But that chesedim tovim is recognizing in the chesed that what makes it chesed is that it's good. And what makes it good is the eternal nature of it. Right, but it could be eternal even if we don't notice exactly. it. Exactly. But by noticing But it, by saying the bracha, what I'm talking about is my awareness of it. My awareness. Okay. Right. Okay, so I was just looking to see if I could find it very quickly. Um, let's see. That's Rivka. That's too far. Okay. When, um, when Yitzchak was born... So Sarah, right, says, okay, Sarah nursed different children. Vayigdal hayeled, this is in Parshas Vayerachaf Aleph Pasuches, Vayigdal hayeled vayigamal. The boy got older and he was weaned. Vayas Avraham mishte gadol, and Avraham made a big feast. Biyom higomel as Yitzchak, on the day that Yitzchak was weaned. Okay, so gumilus chasadim, ligamel is to wean. Because doing real chesed is when you do something for oh, someone that helpful. makes them more independent. Mm. That's chesed. Chesed is not making the person become dependent on you. Chesed is when you make the person able to stand on their own two feet. It's called gemilus chasadim. It's great, right? We talk about gemilus chasadim all the time. We don't even know what we're saying. Okay, gomel chasadim tovim. Okay, we just get like a new depth to this chasadim tovim. Mm-hmm. God does chesed for us 
that helps us become more independently strong. Not because we're going to be independent of him, but we're going to become more developed, more fully who we can be. I have here, I hope, possibly. Oh, no, you know what? I have them at the end when we talk about Camille's Chassadim in more depth. So we'll go into that in more depth. But just that realization alone, that true chesed is that which develops the receiver. That's real chesed. Okay? So when you wean a baby, you're still nursing them. You're feeding them. You're sustaining them. But you're sustaining them in such a way as to make them not need you to sustain them. Right? It's, it's like a pattern. It's a direction. Okay, so now when you see that phrase, Gomel Chasadim Tovim, there's three pieces to it. There's the Chesed, the giving. There's the Givura, the strength, which comes of restraint, being able to hold back, to channel the giving. That's the kind of the Gomel, right? And there's, there's the Tovim, the goodness, the fact that it lasts forever. It's kind of the MS. Right, where you that this goodness that is the blending of the giving and knowing when to hold back from giving, so that it's truly good, so that the person becomes more independent and able to stand. Okay, I would like to. Um, can you guys hang with me another five minutes, mm -hmm. and maybe I'll do the conclusion, and that way next week we'll start like the he yeah. own phrase by phrase. Dumb. Be I'm I'm not, I would never be insulted. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, the idea of Gemilus <laughs> and that the theme of this bracha is we're sleepy, but we're developing awareness of God, that we're yearning for Yetzer Tov, not Yetzer Hara. We're yearning to do Torah and mitzvahs, not to do Averos. And Hashem does Chasadim Tovim, which includes in it also things that we might not have recognized as being so good at the beginning. And we're learning to recognize them as being good because they develop us. So it is a greater good than just giving. There is, no, you know what? This is too big of a topic for a five-minute topic. I'm going to leave this on the side. Sorry. I'm going to leave that on the side. What I'll just point out is in, in the bracha of Hagomel, which is after something like we've been saved from a dangerous situation, Hagomel lechayavim tovos. God does tov for people who are chayavim, who owe, who have sinned. I'm thanking God for the fact that I've sinned, and nonetheless, he's doing good for me, right? There's an acknowledgment there. There's a sort of backhanded acknowledgment of the fact that God has allowed me to sin as well. Now, that doesn't mean the sinning is so amazing, right? But that there is a process there, kind of in this, it corresponds in some ways to the fact that Hashem holds back to us. Sometimes that's the bigger chesed, rather than just pouring it out all over us. The, the holding it back, pacing it out so that we become greater, that weaning, that real gemilas chasadim. Part of that gemilas chasadim Hashem does for us is allowing us to sin as well. But through, by, through the process of sinning and then trying to repair it, we become stronger. That's also a gemilas chasadim. 
Okay, now it counts on us to do some tshuva and try and fix it and struggle against it. But it is a greater chesed. There is a greater potential to develop through the fact that we can make mistakes. All right, so what I want to do is I just want to, I want to sum up what we've talked about mostly in the Hamav Yershenam Enayus Numa Me'afapai, but also kind of looking at it as a theme, which is this. Our sleep has value. Sleep has value. Our waking has even more value, we hope. Depends how we use our waking hours. But our waking has even more value. We are grateful to Hashem for allowing us to sleep. And we are grateful to Him for allowing us to wake up. We're grateful for the fact that we can fail, and we're grateful for the fact that we can repair and struggle against the failure. All in all, this bracha is grateful for the process, even though the process involves ups and downs to get up. We're grateful for what we receive, even though that has its ups and downs. And we're grateful for who we are allowed to be through growth, which has its ups and downs. So I want to share with you, okay. The Beis HaMikdash, right, we've talked about has these different regions, different parts. And there are, I've come across so far three places in Tehillim where these parts are described as mishkanos, meaning the Beis HaMikdash, instead of being described as mikdash or mishkan, is described in plural, mishkanos, which is funny, right? I mean, it's one mishkan or one mikdash. Why mishkanos? So here's what Rav Hirsch says, mishkanos, which is in a plural form, and quite properly so. Sorry, that was the end of a sentence. For, as we have repeatedly noted, the sanctuary encompassed three basic parts. Okay. All three of these chambers are Mishkinos Hashem. They are abodes honored by the presence of the Lord. So the Shechina is in all the parts of the Beis HaMikdash. What does that mean to us? So think about what we've learned so far. Brachos, which corresponds to being on the Temple Mount, to the physical, right? Looking at the physical world, using the physical world, dedicating it to him. And then there's going to be more levels, right? There's going to be with the emotional state, and there's going to be the spiritual and the intellectual. All of those are, have a correspondence to a place in the mikdash. There's like the physical part of the mikdash. There are more spiritual parts. And the shechina is in all of them, which tells us then that he is near not only to the ideal of the perfect fulfillment of the tasks set by him. The shechina does not rest only in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That's a pretty astonishing thing. It's not just Mishkadash. It's not just Kodesh HaKadoshim. It's Mishkinos. All three of these are abodes. He is near not only to the ideal of perfect fulfillment of the tasks set by him. He is present also there where we are still engaged in the upward struggle. From the bondage of sensuality to the freedom of discipline and sacrificing devotion to fulfillment of his will. That's a really amazing statement. God is present 
not only where we achieve perfection. God is present all along the road. As long as we are struggling towards him, he is there. Not just there. The Shekhinah means there in a close, loving way. He's pleased with us. Even if we're just struggling along, which means ups and downs and imperfections and being in the physical world and the emotional world, both of which are full of ups and downs. That, this is like a very, very astonishing reverse. All right. Yonah says, right, Prophet Yonah, we read about him on Yom Kippur. He says over and over again, maybe it'd be better if I died. Right? This doesn't sound like such a Jewish thing, and he's a prophet. Right? Maybe it'd be better if I was dead than if I was alive. What about the sanctity of life? Right, okay. And Hashem ends up saying, okay, how can we understand this? Based on the Al-Sheikh. How can you understand that he thought he should die? What Yonah's saying is, I thought that Hashem thought I was better off dead. Right? We're talking about sleep. Our sleep has value. And our waking has value. We hope that our waking has more value than our sleeping. And Yonah's kind of saying, I thought God thought I would be better off dead. Meaning that I, was, I had it so wrong in my life that it would be better for me to, to just stop living, stop messing up, and, and, and die now while all is not lost. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, I give up. He's saying, I think God gave up on me. That, that's pretty despairing. And Hashem said, wait a minute, you get upset about a tree that you didn't even cultivate and work on and invest in, and it bothers you that it would just die? Don't you think that I feel that way about you and about other people? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, they've messed up, but that I'm still invested in the development over time. It's okay that today, it's not that it's okay today was a disaster, but it, it's a process. It's a process. We're not going to get stuck on one day. We're looking at something in the big picture. God has a really, really big picture. It's just like way bigger than ours. Okay? Surely I care about you. Surely I care about all of Nineveh. So, there is something worse than death which is sleeping your way through life. Because in Olam Haba, we want to be awake. <laughs> right? But Hashem is near not only to the ideal of perfect fulfillment of the tasks set by Him, He is present also there where we are still engaged in the upward struggle. That is... In the end, that's what this bracha is about. Hashem... I get it. You're here with me. I'm falling down. Help hold me up. I want to do better. But I acknowledge that I don't always get it right. But I'm choosing. I'm choosing. If we could say this hihirasan or this bracha with the sense I'm choosing. I'm choosing the path of good for today. You help. All right? So next week in Mir Hashem, I want to walk through the sihiratsan like in a phrase, kind of phrase by phrase. Yeah, I like that yihiratsan. Thank you. It's yeah. yeah. Pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. That's, good. That's funny with the phones. <laughs>